What's up, Crave? Welcome back. You guys have a good week? Woo, just one woo, one good week. That's good, I'll take it. It's 2020, we'll take all the good weeks we can get, right? Um, we're going back through our series, Spirit. We're speaking, we're talking about the uh, peace of the Holy Spirit this week, but you guys remember what we talked about last week? It also started with a P. There's a whole trend going. The presence of the Holy Spirit, remember that? You guys are so good. You guys, I'm glad you guys are paying attention. Um, yeah, so this week we'll be talking about peace. Um, and when we think about peace, a piece of peace is freedom, right? Um, so we're always doing something that we want to do. We're thinking if we have freedom, then we're also living in peace. And so before we start talking about these things, first I want to define our terms. I want to define what we're thinking about when we think of peace and when we think of freedom. When you guys think of peace, what do you guys think of? You guys are so responsive today. I love it. Paul? Calm. Calm? What else? I heard someone over here. Absence of fear? It's a good definition. Okay, let me walk you through what, what I thought of when I think of the word peace. When I think of peace, the first thing I think of is the circle peace sign, right? And it has like a pie in it. That's the first thing I think of. And then that makes me think of a peace sign. And then I think of a peace sign, and then I think of save the turtles, right? And then for some reason, when I think of save the turtles, I think of hippies. And when I think of hippies, I think of Scooby-Doo. And I think of Scooby-Doo, I think about sandwiches. So when I think about peace, I think about sandwiches. And now you've seen how Robsy's brain works and how I get places. Um, and when I think about freedom, I think of, first I think about uh, throwing tea into a harbor. That's the first thing I think of. And then I think of Braveheart. You guys know, you guys seen Braveheart? That might be an older movie. Freedom! And then that makes me think about a trip I took when I was at North Greenville where we yelled that a whole lot. Um, and then when I also think of freedom, I think of the Chicago Bears and just how bad of quarterback play we've had since like, ever since I can remember. We've never had a good quarterback and I just love to break freedom from that. I also love like freedom for the quarterback to do something or the offensive line to do something or the running back to do something because offensive line's just been trash for years. And then the general manager's trash, like he can't even draft right. He's like a 50-50 chance. And so that's also what I think about when I think of freedom. But if we were to talk to a Hebrew reader and we were to say, hey, what do you think about in freedom? He probably wouldn't understand what you're saying because he speaks Hebrew, not English. But if you were able to have a translator, he would probably think of the word shalom, shalom. And so we'll put it up on the board here so this way you guys can see what the Hebrew looks like. There you go. If you can read Hebrew, that's what it looks like. You would actually read that from the left side to the right side. So don't read it the other way. It'd be a different word. Um, and so when they think about shalom, they don't think about peace. They don't think about tranquility, right? They don't think about um, meditation. They don't think about the okay sign on your knee, but it has to be perfectly on your knee, right? Otherwise, you're doing it wrong. They don't think about that. They think about completeness or making something whole because it's referring to something that's complex, that has a lot of moving parts. It's in a, and then when it has shalom, it has a state of completeness or wholeness. So if I were to be building a fence, right, until I put the final nail into the fence, the fence would never have shalom. But once I put that final nail into the fence, the, sh the fence is now complete, and now the fence has shalom. But if I were to karate kick it and break it, then I've broken the shalom in the fence. Does that make sense? So when they're thinking of peace, they're thinking of something that has a state of completeness or wholeness. And so when they use this to refer to other people's well-being, the idea here is that life is very complex. 
life has a lot of moving parts. Can we agree? Right? And so one of our relationships breaks, when one of our relationships falls apart, or if there is conflict in our life, then we've lost shalom. And so you, when, they're, when they're thinking about shalom, they're really thinking to make complete or to restore someone's life. So if you were to say, hey, you have shalom, would mean that you've restored or you completed all of the conflicts that are happening in your life. Um, they also talk about it in a way that not only meant like resolving a conflict, but they also used it as that they were working for each other's good. And you can see that in Proverbs 16:7. I'll put it on the screen here so we can read it real quick. When people's lives please the Lord, even their enemies are at peace with them. So even their enemies have shalom with them. And so that means that not only has they, have they stopped, they put down their swords and they stopped fighting, but it means that they are starting to actually work for each other's good. And so when they're, also if, you, also if you were to ask a Hebrew reader, what do you guys think about freedom? They might actually answer with this. They might answer with Adam and Eve. And you might be thinking, Ramsey, how does freedom and Adam and Eve work together? I'm so glad that you asked me this question and I prepared an answer for you. Um, Adam and Eve were the freest people to ever live on this planet Earth. Adam and Eve were the freest people to ever live, and you might be thinking, Ramsey, why is that? I'm so glad you also asked this question. If you think about it, Adam and Eve only had one rule when they lived on Earth for a while, and that one rule was actually more of an opportunity to rule the Earth with God than it was even a rule. And that one rule was that they weren't supposed to eat this one apple or one fruit right? And so, when you look at that, you can see that God, he doesn't value freedom, or he doesn't value rules. He values freedom. And we might get confused because you look at the Old Testament, and you see that there are 300 plus rules, and it says, thou shalt not do this. Don't do that. Don't do this. Do this, but don't do that. But the reason God does that for us is because he loves and he values freedom for us. And that's why he sends the Holy Spirit to us. And that's why we can call him the comforter. That's why we can call him the encourager. And so we can see this in 2 Corinthians 3, 17 through 18. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed so we can see and reflect the glory of the Lord And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. So we talked about the Spirit last week and how he's living in all of us as we are Christians. And he's changing us into his image, making him more and more like him. So then, therefore, we too should be loving and valuing freedom. And so with that, I would say that maximum freedom is found under God's authority. Maximum freedom is found under God's authority. Now you might be thinking, that's super weird. How can I be underneath an authority? How can I be underneath somebody but yet have the maximum amount of freedom that I could ever get? I'm so glad you guys are asking so many questions today. You guys are getting more responsive as the sermon goes on. I love it. Um, Well, let me put it to you this way. A lot of times in our lives, we will willingly put ourselves into situations or underneath covenants or underneath agreements so that we can have certain things, right? I.e. marriage, right? 
um, marriage, you enter into a covenant with another person, and you make vows to each other that you guys swear that you guys will do these things for each other in sickness or in health, right? And you guys all, as you guys all should know, I have a beautiful wife, Sarah, who I would do anything for. She's the most beautiful woman on the earth, and I love her to death. But if I were to say, I have freedom to do whatever I want, and I can do whatever I want, so therefore, then I go sleep with another woman, and I go on dates with another woman, or I get emotionally attached to another, one, another woman. That's called cheating, and I have now broken this covenant, right? I've broken my promises. When I do this, I've actually not gained all of the freedom that I thought I had, that I have all this freedom to do whatever I want. I've actually lost freedoms. I probably wouldn't have this job here at Brookwood anymore. It'd be gone. That freedom would be taken away from me. Knowing Sarah, I probably wouldn't have a bed or couch or any uh, shelter over my head to sleep under anymore, and all my clothes would stay there. I wouldn't have the freedom of playing my Xbox anymore or my PlayStation. Those are all locked inside of the house, taken from me forever. Those freedoms are gone. Um, I know at least have a couple friends who would say, hey, man, we're not friends anymore after what you've done. So I've lost friends. I've lost a job. I've lost other things that I really like doing. I wouldn't have a TV to watch football on anymore, right? So actually, I'd have all these freedoms taken away from me by thinking that freedom meant that I can do whatever I wanted to do. And so actually, underneath God, we can find the maximum amount of freedom because God loves you, and he wants to help you. He wants what's best for you. And that's why he sends us the Holy Spirit, so that we can find freedom and so that we can find peace. And so the Holy Spirit's going to bring us freedom from all of our worries and our anxieties. The Holy Spirit will bring freedom from our worries and our anxiety. Now, 2020, we've heard this a lot, right? There was a whole bunch of things in the beginning of the year. We talked about worry and we talked about anxiety, but um, as I look around the room, I can tell that it hasn't really sunk in, so we're going to talk about it again, right? So, the first thing we're going to look at is Matthew 6, 25 through 34. And we're going to read all of it just because I really think we need to start meditating on verses, and we really need to start really sinking in on Scripture. So we're going to read the whole, the whole context here. That is why I tell you, this is Jesus talking, Sermon on the Mount. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you've had enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in their barn, and student store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to, valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And then the next slide. And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't make they don't, make, they don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he is certainly take care of you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else, all else and live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Today's troubles are enough for today. And so, to put this kind of in simpler terms, 
if we were to kind of reword this and make this into Rob Z's version of this, I would say, how many people have ever looked at their cat or dog, pet, and thought, you have the best life ever, and I wish I had your life? Yeah, a couple hands. A couple people don't think that, wow. I don't think I've ever not thought that. I've looked at all five of my cats and said, your life is so easy. You just take little nappies, then you wake up, you destroy the curtains, you take another nap, then you wake up, you destroy something else, you eat something out of the sink, and then you actually eat your real food, and then you meow at me to give you wet food, and then you take another nap, and then your day's gone. And I'm like, what a good life. But don't we think that God would love us more than we would love our pets? And think of how well we take care of our pets. Wouldn't God want to take care of you even more than that? So why you worry about today? For today has enough worries. That's how I would translate it. And so what Jesus is telling us here is he's not trying to give you like a prohibition against worrying and anxieties in general. I would say that when I go up to speak, every time I come up here to speak, I get a little bit anxious. And I would say that every time the Bears drop back to throw a football pass, I would say I get a little bit anxious because Nick Foles is probably going to throw an interception or he's going to throw a touchdown. You never know. But what Jesus is saying here is he's giving you a prohibition towards your spiritual attitude of worry and anxiety, of living in worry and living in anxiety and letting that dominate your life. Jesus is saying, why are you letting him do this? Have you not seen the lilies on the ground? They get picked up and thrown into the fire. Don't you think God cares for you more than that? What I think this all boils down to is fear, is that we all kind of have this fear of what's happening into the future. And the Holy Spirit will also bring you freedom from fear. The Holy Spirit will also bring you freedom from fear. Because it's all about the future, what's happening in the future. We all fear what's happening in the future. But once, we get, once it gets behind us, we can get a sigh of relief. Just like when I, for example, when I go golfing, right? I'll hit a ball, golf ball, it goes into the woods, right? And then I hit it again. It's still in the woods. And then I hit it again, and it's still in the woods. And then I hit it again, and it skipped across the water, and now it's finally playable. And then you can sit there and just kind of laugh. And I've had my dad look at me a couple times and say, why are you laughing? You're hitting like seven. This is a par three. Like, why are you even like happy about this? I'm just like, I'm just glad that it's over and that I can go pick up my golf ball and that I can go to the next hole and try and murder it because it's disgusting, right? This is a sigh of relief afterwards that it happens. And so I've also looked at some of, our other, other, all of, my, some of my other fears that I have, and I'll go through some of mine. Um, one of my biggest fears is not of heights. I'm not really scared of being very high, but I'm scared about falling, right? I'm scared about just plummeting to the earth, which, if you think about it, is a fear of my future just excessively getting closer and closer to me. Um, I'm scared of drowning, which is basically more about the future of those two minutes of trying to breathe in water, but you can't breathe in water, right? And then there's another three minutes of brain cells continuously dying before you ultimately die. That's very scary to me because that future is just, what do you do during that point? Um, cockroaches, scared of cockroaches, don't know why, they're just disgusting. And I'm scared of seeing a cockroach and then there being the future of more cockroaches, right? Or if you don't kill it, then it's still existing around me. And that's very scary. Um, and then permanent isolation. It's one of also my biggest fears. Um, I don't like being alone. 
in a sense of permanently. That's very scary to me. Anyone ever watched the show Alone? Everyone seen that survival show Alone? If you haven't, it's a pretty good show. It's pretty funny. And also, you just watch people just slowly become insane over the time of just being by themselves. And I think that's also very scary. I don't like being crazy or insane. Um, and so I've also looked up some of the biggest fears of 2019, taken from some high schoolers. So I'll put all of them on the screen at one time, and we'll see if you relate with any of these. The, uh, some of the biggest fears, peer pressure, that tracks sex, very scary. Failure, very scary. Climate change, surprised that made it onto the list as number four. But that's another future, scared of what the future is going to hold. Money, the future itself made it on there growing up, bullying, cyberbullying, and losing your identity. And so we just have this fear of we don't know what's going to happen in the future, and that's why the idea of a time machine is just so appealing to us. We could just go to the future and see. I remember thinking when I was in high school, if I just knew the name of my future wife, that would just make my life less anxious, and I would just know that every time I met somebody named Sarah, that I'd try to marry them. That'd be such a great idea, right? No, probably not. So how do we overcome this? How do we overcome this fear of the future? And it all just boils down to that we must trust God with our future. We must trust that the Holy Spirit will be there for us and guide us. And that's what it comes down to. And I know it's a super simple answer, but it's also difficult to apply. It's simple to understand but we need to immerse ourselves in the word of God. Because let me tell you this, if you know how to worry, then you already know how to meditate. If you know how to worry, then you already know how to meditate. Because if you think about it, worrying in and of itself is just ultimately thinking a hundred times over a situation of what's going to happen. You're walking through every single like course of action, you're going through the whole butterfly effect. Okay, well, if this happens, then this is going to happen, and then I need to prepare if this happens, and I also have to have another separate speech in case my friend texts me back this way, or if they don't text me back, then I need to have this speech ready. And you start to worry, and it's just, you completely concentrate all of your thoughts on this one thing. But if we immerse ourselves in God's word, and we meditate on it, that's exactly what it is. It's thinking about a verse. It's thinking about what God has said to you, over and over and over again, and every single time something comes up, you're meditating on it. You're thinking, how does this apply to my life? You're thinking, God, how are you speaking through, to, speaking through this to me again? And something for me was a lady at Spinks, I told her that I was anxious about going into youth ministry, and she said, I feel like God has a word for you, that you are a mighty warrior, bringing that out of Judges. And so, you know, every time I get anxious about something or I go up here to speak, I just think about that. I can meditate on it. I think you can do this through the Holy Spirit because God can make you into a mighty warrior. And nothing's going to dispel fear more than a reinforcement of the understanding of what God has already promised to us and the knowledge of the presence of God. Well, we can't do that unless we have actually read what he's going to say to us right? You can't know what his promises are if you've never read his promises. But sometimes even when we read those promises, we're still kind of afraid because we think, what if he doesn't show up when we need him to? 
But let me tell you this. If you're a Christian, then the same exact supernatural being that was living inside of Jesus is the same exact supernatural being that's living inside of you today if you are a Christian, which is very powerful. The same thing, the same thing that gave Jesus peace is the same thing that's living inside of you. And I'm sure Kevin will talk more about this as he goes next week to talk about power, so I don't want to steal all of his thunder. But I do want to leave you with this very cheesy thing. No God, no peace. No God, no peace. Right? Oh, Very good, very cheesy, right? And so with that, the Holy Spirit brings us peace. The Holy Spirit brings peace. And the reason the Holy Spirit can bring us peace is because Jesus was, in fact, the Prince of Peace. And if you look at Isaiah, you can see where he says that in Isaiah 6, where he tells us that there has been a child born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Shalom. Prince of Shalom. And that's why Jesus is able to tell us this in John 14, 27. You have that one? Is that the one I forgot? And then I forgot to give it to you again. All right, but in John 14, 27, this is what he's basically telling us, is he basically tells us that I am the only person who can bring you this peace. I unto you bring you peace. The world can't give you peace. And sometimes we want to try and look to the world for peace, but that's Jesus is the only person who can actually bring you peace, and it's a different kind of peace. It's not tranquility. It's not oneness. It's not making good decisions, but it's this inner peace and that he is taking what's broken inside of you and he is making you complete or whole, right? Just like the fence was broken from Shalom, that Jesus can bring you Shalom as well, and that's what he's telling you, and that's why he's able to say that. It's because he has the Holy Spirit. He's one with the Holy Spirit, and so when we talk about this, it's a calmness of spirit that comes when you are in fellowship with God and you can trust him for your tomorrow. And that's how we can come into peace with the Holy Spirit. Because we know that he's the one who conquers fear. That he can stand over it. He trembles, right? And we just sang that. And so not only when we talk about the wholeness of peace with us inside of ourselves, but we're also talking about peace around us and making peace around us. And that's why Jesus tells us this in Romans 5.1. It says, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. And so the idea here is that he has restored the broken relationship between humans and their creator and has made shalom, true shalom. And we can look at Colossians 1.19. But for God in all of his fullness is pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself and made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. And so it's almost like there are two kinds of peace here. One is a peace between us and God, and that you can make this vertical peace. And through this peace that we can get through God, through the Holy Spirit, we can then give out horizontal peace around us to everyone else. And Paul talks about this in Ephesians 2, 14 through 15. 
for Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did it by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. So it's talking about not only should we have this vertical peace with God, and we have this shalom, but we should have shalom with people around us. And that's why life can be complicated. It's because it's not easy to always work with people around us. But that's why we spent the whole series talking about race and talking about justice. It's because we as Christians are called to be peacemakers, right? We're supposed to go out and have peace with all the people around us. And that's why it's broken this down. And if you look at the Jews and the Gentiles, they had so much different thoughts. But Jesus broke that down and said, no, there's peace between all of us. And so in the end, we can have vertical peace, we can have horizontal peace, but as long as you are in control, the Holy Spirit is on the sidelines. As long as you are in control, the Holy Spirit is in the sidelines. And I think that's where all of our fears and anxieties come from, is because we always want to be in control. We want to know what's going on. We want to be planning the next step. But if you let the Holy Spirit guide you, if you can put trust in Him, and you'll be able to find peace. And when you're supposed to live into this mindset of peace, of Romans 8, 6. I missed that one too. I thought we went through this all, but I guess we didn't. That's my bad. Do, 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 do. Romans is in the New Testament. 8.6 It says, So letting your sinful nature control you, control your mind, leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and to peace. And so what this all boils down to is we need to change our mindsets. We have to live into this, live in peace. And that needs to be our life. And so we can't have our life controlled by what's going on at school. We can't have our mind controlled by whatever is most popular on BuzzFeed. We can't have our mind controlled by worries, anxieties, or fear. But we're supposed to live in a mindset of peace. Which is weird because in the church today, I feel like peace is rarely ever given any kind of value. We don't really teach about peace as something that you already have. We teach it as something that's obtainable. We teach it as hey, the culture says there's a lot of insecurities out there, and we say, hey, that's right, but you should, you should have this thing that's obtainable called peace. But what I would say that it, it's not just something that's obtainable, but it's something that is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And if the Holy Spirit is living inside of you, then it's not just something obtainable, but it's something that you already have. You already have peace. Galatians 5.17 tells us that it's a fruit of the Spirit. And so, peace should be something that actually rules our hearts. It should be something that rules the church. It shouldn't just be something that we aim for. Because true peace isn't just resolving conflict. It's taking what's broken and returning it to wellness. And we are broken people. And the Holy Spirit is here to say, hey, I know this, 
and I'm here to restore you. I'm here to work with you. I know you have worries. I know you have anxieties. I know you have fear. But I can overcome that. We've already overcome that. So dig into my word. Read about my promises that I've given to you. See where I am in scripture. Because the Holy Spirit is powerful. I mean, like just like in the last song that we sang, he says, I've been carrying this burden for far too long. So if you're carrying this burden, if you're carrying these worries, if you're carrying these anxieties, my prayer for you is that you'll just be able to go to your small group and just lay them down and say, hey man, this is what I'm dealing with and I really just need some prayer and I need to be able to work through these things. Or I pray that you'll be able to go home tonight, dig into the word, and really just let the Holy Spirit just overwhelm you. Let the Holy Spirit help you find peace. And not just in a zen, not in that the, the feng shui of your room has now improved, but that you'll be able to be restored. All the conflicts around you, not just those, but just the relationships and everything that's going on will just be restored to wellness. Let me pray for you, and then we'll go ahead and go into small groups. Dear Papa God, thank you for a beautiful Sunday. Thank you for just bringing us all here. God, we just pray that we'll have the courage just to be able to come up to the cross and just lay all of our burdens down. God, we just pray that the Holy Spirit will just show us peace. God, that you will just show us peace. Because we know that you are peace. And the gospel of peace. Jesus being the Prince of Peace. We love you. Thank you for everything you do. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Through the Holy Spirit. Amen.